everyone. Welcome to Well Read with Justin Chapman. I'm your host, Justin Chapman, the author of the book Saturnalia, Traveling from Cape Town to Kampala in Search of an African Utopia, a memoir about my travels across Africa, published by Rare Bird Books. My guest today is New York Times bestselling author Sidney Kirkpatrick, who also happens to be my father-in-law. Uh, Sid is the author of several great books, including Cast of Killers, Turning the Tide, Hitler's Holy Relics, The Revenge of Thomas Aikens, Edgar Casey, an American prophet, and many more. Sid, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Justin. We're here at the Portage Inn in Muskoka, Canada, where Sid and his wife Nancy serve as innkeepers. The place was built in the 1880s and sits on a beautiful lake in cottage country, about three hours north of Toronto. Very a peaceful and relaxing place. Sid and Nancy spend uh, about half the, the year here and half the year in Naples, Florida, as well as their many travels across the country and around the world. Uh, Sid, is this where you find uh, yourself to be the most productive as a writer, uh, or is it in Florida, or is it on the road? What what brings the what environment brings out the hardworking writer in you? Well, I, I we we certainly love both locations very much, and uh, they're they're very different because one is up in the woods, and the other is essentially on the beach. I I really get more work done in Florida simply because. Uh, my honey to-do list is considerably shorter mm-hmm. in Florida. There's there's very little maintenance that I've got to do, so I can really be much more self-centered in you know in my work. Um, but you know you you need them both. It's a wonderful combination. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, are you fairly disciplined? Do you get up early and you complete a certain writing quota every day? Yeah, and, and it's it's just developed over the years. I, I started writing uh, newspapers, uh, magazine, uh, weekly newspaper pieces, you know, when I was about 16 or 17. And, and so I've pretty much been writing nonstop since then. And you, you fall into a, um, into a routine so that you, if you break that routine, it, it almost, it feels like you're missing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, in general, I try to get up and, and working by, you know, nine o'clock, eight thirty, nine o'clock, and I usually stop around two, and you know, and then pay bills or do correspondence mm-hmm. or you know, or if I'm up in Muskoka, you know, where we have this inn, uh, you know, it's outdoors working. I mean, there's always, always something that needs to be done right. up here. And, and is it? Uh... Uh, you're writing every day. Is it mostly books, or is it also articles for magazines and, and different things? It used to be primarily books. Um, now uh, we, we've morphed into doing screenplays, uh, and so it's screenplays, magazine articles. It, it's uh, um, you know, it, it's, as I'm sure you know, it's a it's a tough business to earn a living in these days, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, I was very fortunate to find a niche very early on doing true crime, right at the period, you know, in, in the 1980s, uh, early 90s, when true crime was really hot. Right. And, and you could, uh, you know, you could guarantee, you know, selling 25, 30,000 books. Plus, if it was, a, if you chose, a, you know, sorted enough uh, subject uh, to write a book on or a magazine article, you would be able to, you know, option it, sell it to movies, mm-hmm. and so that combination was great, and that that kept going for many, many years, and uh, and then it started drying up, and as it as as it got more and more difficult uh, to to make it in that true crime um, genre, 
simply because uh, news shows, uh, television, it was sort of usurping that market. Mm -hmm. you know, people weren't going out and buying true crime because right. that's all they were getting on television. Uh, I, I switched over to biography, mm -hmm. so I, uh, I, I've, I've tried, to, tried to be really flexible, and I think that's really the only way you can, you know, unless you're a Stephen King, where, where people are lining up in front of bookstores to see you, right. if you're going to be a writer, that's, you, you really have to maintain that flexibility, and, and we've done that, and so um, um, projects, it's interesting now, because projects that I uh, worked on you know, 15, 20 years ago uh, are, are coming back mm. and, and are coming back as movies now. And, yeah. and so that, that's fun and that's interesting to see. So, you know, there, I guess, you know, there, there is a consolation for growing old is that you have, <laughs> uh, you know, a long history of, of stuff you've worked on. A body of work. Yeah. Um, and now you and Nancy are the new editors of a magazine? Yeah. It, it, it's a it's out of Virginia Beach. It's part of the Edgar Casey organization. It's a quarterly magazine called Venture Inward, mm -hmm. and I've been writing for them for years. And 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 I know, I know everyone you know with that organization, and they know me. And um, so so it's it's a very friendly, warm environment. Mm -hmm. And you know, uh, it's a new learning curve for me. I, I you know I've, though I've written articles and have pretty much kept writing articles all my life um, I've never actually been an editor, an editor yeah. and, and and that's a different skill set mm -hmm. and then you have to deal with the traffic of, of getting you know, getting the material in getting it laid out and you know time cool. schedules and things which you know for for someone like myself whose deadlines some sometimes are two and three years mm -hmm. in the future uh, and a range of quality and writing, I imagine. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So, so it, it's it's wonderful in that sense as as a as a writer. You know, you get in your sixties, and all of a sudden you're really having to dance and, and learn some new tricks, and mm -hmm. that's good. And and of course, you you run the risk of becoming a dinosaur. <laughs> uh, and so this is sort of keeping me out of the, um, or keeping me in the Paleolithic age mm -hmm. again. <laughs> I can't keep keep up with. Uh, or children, but at least I'm, I'm treading water. Yeah. Um, which book of yours was your favorite? Which was the best experience? Which one do you like the best? Oh, you know, it, it's like every book is, is it truly is, uh, I know it sounds like a cliche, but you're your child, and, and that child takes on a life of its own if, mm -hmm. if you've done it right. Um, certainly the most fun to write uh, was a cast of killers. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it's about a Hollywood murder, and I had... Um, uh, the timing, you know, the timing of all, all of your projects you do so is so influences mm -hmm. what, what happens. And in this case, I'd gone out to L.A. to make it in the movies and, uh, and I'd made it, you know, worked on a disaster of a movie uh, with George C. Scott and, and uh, Teddy Roosevelt. I, I, I was the associate producer, but... Um, um, while I was looking for another job, which wasn't likely to come, I started, I uh, got a job um, organizing the papers of a famous film director, King Vidor, mm -hmm. and, um, who had just passed on. And I, I was a likely candidate because I knew a lot about the movie business, and that's why I was in L.A., and I was also a writer. And the idea was 
I'd organize this man's papers and see if there was a book in there. Mm -hmm. and, and there was a book, and, and you know, King Vidor um, was unusual in many respects as a film director, not only because of his longevity. I mean, he, had, you know, he, went, he went from the silent era through Technicolor right, right on to you know, modern times. Some 78 films, you know, many uh, Academy Award nominations, an honorary Academy Award. But um, he had a problem. He saved everything. Uh, he was a pack rat. Mm -hmm. And um, unlike many people who suffer this condition, uh, when his drawers filled up, when his garage filled up, he just took out another floor at Beacon Storage. <laughs> and so, uh, for, you know, it was a biographer's dream in that sense because he, he saved everything. I mean, laundry receipts, valentines. It's just... Uh, wow. um, but in, in any event, while um, sorting through those papers, there was a missing year or two. And if he hadn't saved so much uh, stuff, crap, mm -hmm. everything, you know, uh, it, it would not have stuck out. Right? Mm -hmm. And especially later on in his career in 1967. And in any event, uh, we eventually found a locked strong box of papers he'd set aside and uh, containing the missing years and... He'd gone off to solve one of his friend's murders, and, and so I immediately scrapped writing a biography, and mm -hmm. I turned that into a true crime book about King Vitor going back to solve his friend's murder at Paramount Studios. And, and, and so it was really exciting for me because I, I was very, really on the periphery of the movie industry, mm -hmm. um, both in modern times and back in the 1920s mm -hmm. when, when the murder took place. So I get to go interview many of the um, you know founding fathers and mothers of the of the movie industry mm -hmm. and uh, I, I got to live and work in King Vitor's house in Beverly Hills for a while mm -hmm. and then up at his ranch in Paso Robles and it was just all a very very exciting fun time and then the fact that the book did so well mm -hmm. um, made it possible for me to just continue as a writer after that and that because that was your first uh, one right yeah um, and uh, uh, so who did you read growing up? Which authors made you want to be a writer? Um, well, uh, in, in my case, I've been surrounded by writers since I was in diapers. Um, my mother was a writer, and, and my earliest memories are of her uh, writing in her office in the laundry room and, you know, rolling around in the sheets while she was typing away. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, both my sisters uh, are writers. My older sister worked for National Geographic for some 30-plus years. My younger sister, Catherine Kirkpatrick, is the author of seven or eight, you know, fiction and nonfiction books. My grandfather was a book editor. So really, at a very early age, I really knew uh, there was no question that mm -hmm. I was going to be a writer. It was just a question of what kind of writer and... Uh, you know, uh, when when I was uh, in college, you know, the rock stars of my generation were film directors and mm -hmm. film, and everybody was doing that, and, and I sort of followed in that vein. But I always loved uh, nonfiction and uh, drawn to it. Certainly Barbara Tuckman uh, was, was a very, very early influence, and I still uh, admire her, her, her work, work very much. Um, yeah, so, uh, and, and I, I keep reading nonfiction. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a couple of your books have been optioned by Hollywood Studios. You're currently in talks about making your Edgar Casey books a TV series. Is that right? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, it's wonderful. I have one book, uh, Turning the Tide, which has probably been optioned, uh, uh, there's no exaggeration, 10 or 15 times. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so you get paid each time there's an option. And so even though the book never got made into a movie, I I may certainly earned as much money as I would from a movie. And and it's still being, you know, worked on again. And... um, well, that one seems to like it would it would uh, translate very easily to the screen. Seems like it's made to be a movie. Yeah, I mean, and but, you know, but the original actors who were signed on to do it, uh, um, uh, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford yeah. was was one of the first. You know, is 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 just now too old to right. play the part. Right. Uh, you know, it's um, uh, it's it's interesting to me from a writer's point of view. You know. Uh, not as a reader, but as a writer, you know, one, one of your challenges every writer has, uh, you know, is, is how are you going to earn a living at this crazy business? Mm-hmm. And I believed uh, for, for a very long time that if you got enough body of work, that the residuals and things would carry you over. And then in around 2000, all of a sudden, that got really scary because mm-hmm. um, uh, residuals weren't going to carry you. Mm-hmm. you. You could you could really see that, and uh, so that was a little worrisome. And then uh, the piracy issues. Like right. I have one one book, um, Hitler's Holy Relics, mm-hmm. which is probably has got to be in the top ten pirated books wow. uh, of of that generation. And and, uh, and we knew it, and we had a you know uh, uh, our, our attorneys from the publishers were looking at it. everybody was looking at it because they had something like you know seventy five thousand free downloads, uh, you know, before the book was actually, you know, hitting bookstores. And and, uh, anyway, so all of that was scary. However, that said, um, you know, there, there, it does make sense, uh, or you can uh, earn a living from these back, you know, uh, backlog of material you have. And and right now we have a, a a movie in the works, got a director, got a producer, based on an article I wrote, you know, 14, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's exciting to see, and maybe one of these days, you know, I will have a movie finally back. And uh, yeah, well, is it is it frustrating to work with Hollywood as as an author? Is it too is it too slow? Uh, yes, and, and certainly uh, as as as. Uh, all writers who who initially get you know get their first option, you, you have this expectation, you, and which is very rarely ever lived up to. Where, mm-hmm. you know, you think, oh, you've got an option, you know, it's 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 now it's a payday, and and you know soon you'll be walking the red carpet. And right. of course, it's anything but that. <laughs> right. And you know, just a very small percentage of books that are optioned ever get made into films. But I, I've been very fortunate uh, to live on. Uh, the periphery mm-hmm. of Hollywood and not have to uh, be in there hustling and you know Hollywood's a big game of musical chairs mm-hmm. and whoever can push and elbow their way um, to the nearest seat when the music stops you know stays in the business right. the red so it's a very difficult business but mm-hmm. I, I've, I've never had to actually 
you know, fight those battles, and, and I could sort of stay on the, the periphery edge of it, uh, and, uh, and that's been both fun and exciting to see, because you get to schmooze now and again with celebrities, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, but you don't have to live there, it's right. like, you can visit, so I, I like that. Um, and uh, how has the uh, book publishing world changed since you, you first started? Um, has, has anything improved or has it all been... Oh, oh, I think there's been a definite improvement, but, you know, at, at each sort of segue, I, I, I think, oh my God, you know, the, the world's falling down mm -hmm. and, you know, how, 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 how am I going to survive in this? Um, uh, but it has, it has opened up and there are so many more markets now than there have ever been mm -hmm. uh, to sell your stuff and to write and, and it's a great time to be writing and... You know, uh, uh, as far as Nancy and I are concerned, you know, there's just not enough time to write because mm -hmm. there there's so many so many outlets and so many different directions we right. can go, and um, uh, that was just not true when when I started out. Mm. Uh, the business has changed radically, and you really got a, uh, a shift with it. Um, and uh, you know, but you know, to take taking our punches, you know, uh, over the years. Yeah. Um, and uh, what do you think about like uh, multimedia books or online uh, uh, books or some form of digital book versus just a, a good old um, hardcover paperback? Well, I made, made reference to earlier about uh, fear of becoming a dinosaur. And um, this really came home to me uh, with a, um, a difficult time. I had a, a Nancy and I often ghostwrite, edit, work, co-write on, on different books. Mm -hmm. And one of the projects that I got deeply involved in uh, is with an attorney, uh, Stephen Scheller out of Philadelphia, uh, whom I admire very much as a, um, uh, you know, takes on the giants, uh, in the, mostly uh, nowadays in the pharmaceutical industry, but early in his career he represented the Black Panthers. A great, fabulous, uh, fabulous career. And uh, I worked with him on a last book, which we call Farmageddon. Mm -hmm. And Farmageddon is the story of, you know, attorney Stephen Scheller from Philadelphia taking on Johnson and Johnson over uh, anti-psychotic drug, mm -hmm. and um, how how you get in the excitement about that. In any, in any event, just recently, just before the book was to be published. Um, a uh, Stephen Brill, a uh, author of a Time magazine medical writer, came in to um, wanted an interview because he was writing something along those same lines, a book, and um, we said, uh, and and we were sort of hesitant about you know do we grant this interview or do we not? But and of course you want to grant the interview because. You not only want your name out there, but you want to be part of the larger story mm -hmm. of, um, you know, of your generation and, and of, uh, in, in this particular instance, um, mass tort cases and, and the drug companies and, and the very evils that, you mm -hmm. know, the, you know, uh, uh, that the pharmaceutical industry is often peddling, um, in any event, we, we decided, well, we were so far along, we already had a draft of the book, there's no way is he, he's going to beat us to the punch. Right. And so we granted the interview, and 
we, we gave them a lot, you know, these mounds of documents that we had, which were the basis of our book. Mm -hmm. And yes, it, and, and he lived up to his word that, uh, well, he was writing a book, but what, what we didn't know was that it was going to be published in the Huffington Post right. uh, in chapters beginning immediately. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, so we got, uh, so we ultimately, you know, gave up the ship in that regard. And, uh, and it was, it was, it came as a shock to me because, and, and, and a, maybe it's a good time to get a shock because I had been thinking of the book business in a certain way that you had to go out in paper and it takes, you know, eight, six to eight months mm -hmm. to get ready to go to print and then you need a publicity package. And, you know, here uh, this author had just stepped in, gotten this material, and literally three or four weeks later, it's showing up. You know, mm -hmm. uh, in a national, you know, in the Huffington Post. And, uh, so how does he get paid? Is the Huffington Post paying him for that? Uh, well, I'm not privy to what uh, arrangement that was. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine he, he did that for free. And, sure. and there was advertising with it. And mm -hmm. I, I'm so, so I'm pretty sure that there was a financial, you know, uh, uh, arrangement uh you know, it's frustrating because he, he got a, a movie, you know, movie deal with George Clooney mm. out of that. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's where I'm really knocking my head against the wall because same thing had happened, uh, you know, a decade earlier uh, with Hitler's Holy Relics. And uh, George Clooney came in and, uh, you know, bought the book, which became Monuments Men. Mm -hmm. And it was, a, you know, it's a very similar story to right. the one I had just written. And, uh, you know, I felt like, oh, my gosh, here I've gotten uh, uh, beaten to the punch twice in a row, right. you know. And, uh, you know, why hadn't I learned better? So even though uh, George Clooney is going to make or, or is involved in, in the making of uh, what's going to be a, a Farmageddon-like show on uh, Netflix, mm -hmm. uh, we're part of it, too, this time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and so are, are you considering an um, online version of a book like that in the future? I think it's a great idea. You want to help me with that? <laughs> sure. Um, so what's in your typewriter right now? What are you working on? Uh, I'm working on several magazine articles, and um, there's a, we're, we're doing a screenplay uh, right now uh, for uh, a, a real interesting young director, and it's called Redcoats and Petticoats. That, that probably won't be the title uh, when the movie comes out, but it, it's a project that goes way back in our family's history. My mother started doing interviews in the 1950s on this uh, Washington, George Washington spy ring in this little town where I grew up on Long Island. And uh, then my younger sister wrote it as a book, uh, very popular, Redcoats and Petticoats, a sort of young mm. adult children's book. And uh, and then I wrote it as a screenplay, and uh, so now it looks like it's actually going to, well, who knows, fingers crossed, but right. uh, whether it's going to be a movie or not. So that, that's really what we're working on right at the moment. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Sid. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Good luck to you and good writing. Thank you. Uh, we just heard from Sidney Kirkpatrick, New York Times bestselling author. Check out his work at sidneykirkpatrick.com. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Well Read. I am your host, Justin Chapman, author of the tra travel memoir Saturnalia, traveling from Cape Town to Kampala in search of an African utopia. Join us next time on Well Read with Justin Chapman. A life well read is a life well spent, so pick up a damn book already.